For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon here with Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts, two fantastic NFL draft analysts, all a part of RiseAndDraft.com, your go-to source for NFL draft coverage with a fantastic NFL draft database. So today, we're getting back to talking mainstream topics for the NFL draft, and, and we felt that with the performance of Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, it was the perfect time to talk about the current race for wide receiver one. We're also going to talk a little bit of how underwhelming some of these running backs have been for the start of the season so far. Before we do get to that, though, folks, I just need to quickly tell you about Bet Online. College football season is rolling. The NFL is rolling as well, and all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for this current football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your pro and college football action this year. With a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to their website or, or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just by signing up. Don't forget to pro, don't forget promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, we had a wild weekend of college football with all of these upsets that were happening, all of these crazy losses like the Clemson one, and then we have Arkansas, which has established themselves as this somehow very, very talented team in the SEC that I feel like nobody really saw coming. But if you knew who Traylon Burks was, you weren't surprised by the, the performance that he put up in this game, the huge play that he made in this game against Texas A&M. And it seems like he's back on everybody's radar after the performance he had. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, going back to the summer, everybody knew. I mean, I think for the most part, everybody was kind of enamored with Traylon Burks. I can just say from my perspective, he was my second ranked wide receiver in the class. Every And the unteachables are fantastic. And it's easy to see why. People would clamor toward him. People would like him, his ability to maybe be the top receiver off the board and be a first-round pick. We're talking 6'3", we're talking 230 pounds, we're talking speed for days. Stylistically, um, it's a little bit odd because if you looked at his 2020 film, he, they used him in the slot a ton, and they would motion him, they would run jets to him, they would you know jet, um, they would motion him and throw him just quick swings to get him out in space. They used him more as like a gadget type of player similar to how they use LaVisca Chanel at Colorado 
But then this year you're seeing him kind of moved around a little bit more and they're using him out wide a ton. I mean, the big touchdown, obviously this past weekend, uh, he's in prep, you know, the guys impress against him and he beats the, re- he has a nice release off the line. And then the ball's in the air. He's just running a go route. He's running a, a fade down the sideline. And I think the second gear is what really catches you off guard for 230 pounds. The adjustment down the field kid is special potentially, man. And, and shout out to Arkansas just in general, because they were a bottom dweller for a few years there. And Sam Pittman quickly has established them into a, a real player, in my opinion, in the SEC moving forward. I don't think they're ever going to compete with the Alabamas of the world, but, you know, going to that second tier of maybe challenging the Floridas and, and hopefully Tennessee gets it turned around and some of those other programs, the Kentuckys and the, those teams that have had good seasons from t- at time to time, but have not established, you know, continued success year in and year out. Arkansas has done a great job to say the least. Yeah. You did a great job highlighting, you know, some of the physical traits that he has as far as his size and speed. But I think if you look back at this Texas A&M game, what you came across, you know, so, so impressed with was his body control, uh, his ability to contort his body at the catch point and uh, through physicality on the sideline. There was one that actually was ruled incomplete. I thought it got a foot down. It was border. It was about as close as you can get showed great body control while moving with such momentum, you know, that's what you like to see. He had the one where he had to reach back over the back side of his head to catch it um, right there in the corner. I mean, this Traylon Burks, I mean, he was he was a force to be reckoned with. And in a game where Arkansas, this was this was the point in which Arkansas was going to, you know, go one way or the other. Are they going to be, a, you know, one of these top SEC teams this year and and beat a bunch of teams they shouldn't? Texas A&M being one of them. Texas earlier in the year, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, they really solidify themselves, like you said, I think in that second tier of SEC programs, at least for the time being. So, um, and Traylon Burks, the last couple of weeks has shown the ability to make the explosive play. I know last week, Georgia Southern, uh, who actually just fired their head coach today as we're Wonderful. recording this, um, <laughs> 91 yard touchdown. Then the 85 yard touchdown where I just felt like he was going to trip. He kept, he was moving so fast that I thought he was going to have that Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones from last year where he just tripped over his own feet. Uh, but he was able to stay on and, and, like Ryan said, get that second gear to get the touchdown. So Traylon Burke's explosive playmaker. He's got the size to be a big slot or an outside X receiver uh, with his speed and then has shown impressive body control at the catch point. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to like. My wide receiver one going into the, you know, coming from the summer um, has really turned it on here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm always entertained by when we have a, a coach like Sam Pittman who comes in is just a you know a guy's guy, a, a somebody who people buy into just based on the fact that he's genuine. It's like an Ed Ogeron effect kind of thing compared to some of these teams that are constantly trying to go and get the, the next Lincoln Riley, the next strategic young guru. And those don't always work out. And the Pittmans, for some reason, always end up having success because they know how to get people to buy in and play for their team. It also helps that they have a freakishly large roster and the, the guys that they have on that team are just massive human beings. But I want to open up this conversation about the wide receiver class uh, a little bit more. We're, we're getting some early glimpses of the of the group, and, and one of the things that we talked about leading into this season is it's not as good as last year's class. It's not as good as the year before its class, which were historic groups. But we still have some pretty talented names amongst uh, th- these receivers. So for you guys... Where, where do you see this class now? How do you see it's currently shaping up? Like what, what is what perceptions have changed so far from some of these really big performances from guys like Garrett Wilson and, and Burks and, and many others? Perception for me hasn't changed much. I 
and I, I talked about it a little bit already, Traylon Burks was wide receiver two for me going into the year. Wide receiver one was Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, who you just mentioned, and it was very close. I think it was like two-tenths of a point was the separation between Burks and Wilson for me in the summer. You can check out that at riseanddraft.com if you want to take a look at those reports. And I think the biggest difference is stylistically, what do you prefer? Because they are very, very different football players. Garrett Wilson in this game, although it was against Akron, who was not a great football team, was still the leading receiver for his team, four catches for over 120 yards. So he did really well. But I think the conversation really goes to, Alex highlighted a little bit, this Traylon Burks could play a little inside-outside. Stylistically speaking, from a body type perspective, he looks more of your traditional X. I think that some people are going to look at him, and I looked at him last year, and I said, like, I think he plays a little bit like LaVisca Chennault. Now that might change because he is linearly incredibly explosive for his size. Is he the most flexible athlete of all time? Don't think so. Change the direction. I don't think he's going to be great. So I think the player that he does play a little bit like when he's playing more of that traditional X type of role is DK Metcalf. So he kind of looks like DK. He's 6'3", and he's 230 pounds, and he can run for days. And that is obviously very, very valuable. For the Julio Jones and the Andre Hopkins of the world, that is usually what's get paid, and that's usually what is considered the best wide receiver in football. Garrett Wilson now is a guy that also can play inside-outside, but he is much more – stylistically speaking to a Antonio Brown type of player. He is about five foot 10. He's about 190, 195 pounds, who is very good after the catch is very explosive, solid hands. But what is really separated for him man, is he is a savvy distinguished route runner who gets in and out of his breaks like none other. And I think that he is an instant separator at the next level. I think he could work inside outside. I think he could literally play a Z. He could play inside in the slot. Is he ever going to be a traditional X? No. So the conversation is for yourself at the peaks of what they become. Do you want Antonio Brown or do you want a DK Metcalf type player? Now I'm not saying that either one of those guys are going to ascend to being that, but stylistically speaking, what is a more important football player for you? Is that traditional X who can run the vertical play in the field and can really stretch defenses um, to all levels of the field? Or is it your instant separator who can also be a multi-level threat? That is the question. What do you refer a traditional X or a guy that you can move kind of as a Z inside? The impact is great for both, but stylistically speaking, they are very different football players. No, I think you did a great job kind of showing the discrepancy between the two and how it really just depends on what you want there and and. You know, you touched on the top of the class because for me, that was wide receiver one, wide receiver two as well, just in the reverse order that you had them uh, coming the top into tier, the year. In my opinion, it I don't is. know if you agree, but I think that's the top tier. There's two yep. guys in the top tier. Yep, absolutely. I mean, after that, um, obviously, you have the Chris Olave, Drake London has some fans, Zay Flowers, I was a big fan of coming into the year uh, group, but I, I do think that there is there's a line between the top two and those guys. But for me, when I'm looking at this class as a whole, as, as Joe talked about, kind of looking at the wide receiver landscape, after the top couple guys that kind of fit that mold as being that six-foot-plus prototypical X receiver, it really turns into a bunch of smaller guys, uh, you know, in that, that next tier, that day two to day three tier. It's just, you know, you have your uh, – that kind of fit that Garrett Wilson mold a little bit more that you're you're going to project inside a little bit more. That's, that's Zay Flowers. That's Anaya Smith. That's – 
Uh, Wandale Robinson, who's who's been an ascending uh, prospect this year for Kentucky. That's you know someone I'm high on. Jaden Wally out of Mississippi State. I mean, you can kind of go down the board. So I just feel like the depth of this class is more inclined to fit those that need that guy on the inside, that Antonio Brown mold of prospect, where I feel like if, if you're looking for that big guy uh, that can play on the outside with physicality and such, I, I feel like you're limited. I think the big X factor for this year's class and in determining the strength of it is going to be George Pickens from Georgia. Uh, George Pickens, you could argue, is the most talented prospect in this year's class as it as it currently seems to this point but obviously the ACL injury and and how he recovers from that there's thoughts that he could play by the end of the year this year and become healthy enough to to get some playing time as Georgia looks like they're going to be nearing conference championship and hopefully playoff uh you know a playoff run George Pickens may be able to play for that so I know he's already moving around there's reports that he's already running around but I think George Pickens and his pre-draft process uh, assuming he does come out because of the talent and the, the class being as weak as it is, I do assume he will come out regardless of the injury. He's going to be the X factor in de- determining really the strength of the top of this class. Cause like we're talking about right now for healthy players, it's Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks, depending on what you want. But I, I, I do wholeheartedly believe that George Pickens is in that same tier when healthy. Um, so hit, the big thing for him is just showing that that knee is healthy and he's still the same player post-injury that he was the last couple of years for Georgia pre-injury. I think that that's hard to find too. You're talking about the traditional outside receivers who can play that type of role. I, I think for like most years, even the historical years that we've had the last couple, it's so hard to find those types of guys that are your traditional exes. Like those guys just don't come around too often. And I think yeah. especially in this class, like the next year, like you said, like I really – like Zay Flowers a ton. And there's a bunch mm-hmm. of guys I think that could work in the slot and could work the Z role and even the Chris Olaves of the world, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but like he can play that role absolutely. And I think that he can manipulate space inside because he's a really good route runner and do all that type of things. I think there's there's a few of those guys. But the traditional X is like Justin Ross has looked okay in spurts. Still doesn't look like himself from uh you know a couple years ago that we that we were accustomed to early on in his career. Who else is there, man? Like, like you Ro- mentioned it a little Dubs bit. Like, there's probably a Z. George Pickens has to be the guy. David Bell doesn't have the traditional size. Um, Ty Freifogel is smaller than his listing you and know. is just more of a late round type receiver. Like, who is that next X receiver? I don't you know think who I think it guy. is. Who's that? I think it's Dante Demas Jr. from Maryland. Demas, yeah, yeah. I, I need to watch more Demas. I, I felt like his hands were a little hit or miss last season, but I know he's tearing it up he so was. far with, yeah, with uh, he, to his brother, to his little brother. Yeah, that's been, he's been a fun watch. I think uh, week one was it, or the West Virginia, whenever that was. That was recently, right? Yeah. I was watching them pretty heavily, and he he just looks so much higher. You know, so, so much of a, you know, uh, better athlete than anyone else on the field at 6'3", 215. He, he, he fits that mold, and then I haven't seen a problem with the draw. I know the drops were a problem coming into the year, but I haven't, at least from my live viewings of him so far, I, I, I need to go back and look at the advanced stats to see uh, if, he's, if he's had a problem with drops. I'm excited to get to his tape because I think that's someone that's going to continue to ascend this year and be that in that next tier of guys on day two. I made a comp to him actually a few weeks ago, Alex, just from a measurables perspective, um, like from a physical, just body type perspective. I think from a play style perspective, a little bit, 
A uh, little bit of Brian Edwards vibes coming out of South Carolina a couple years ago. Demas might be a, a smidge faster, but from a yeah. body type perspective, from arm length, um, size perspective, he was like quarter of an inch in all attributes as far as like wingspan and everything. So yeah, so, I can. Yeah, I think um, you're right. I think I think Demas may have a little bit more juice to him from a speed standpoint, but. And and Edwards had a lot of fans. Still has a lot of fans in the NFL, despite I, I like a slow Edwards, start. Man, yeah. I, 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 if Demas had uh, had Edwards fans, uh, Edwards hands, he might be in the first round conversation <laughs> right now. So. Yeah. All right. So speaking on a, another position group, before we we share some players that caught our eye this past week, it seems like the running backs. There were some big names for this this position group coming into the season, your Brees Halls, your Isaiah Spillers, your Kyron Williams. And they haven't necessarily lived up to that hype uh, to the point where these through all three of these guys were considered potential Heisman winners at the end of the season, guys that could have been in contention if a running back was going to win it yet. They've had, some of them have had good performances, but it seems like they've been struggling a little bit, not living up to the expectations that we've hit so far. So I, I want to get your guys' thoughts now on this running back group. Is it underwhelming? Do you think that it's just early season struggles and we need to see the full thing pan out after four weeks? Where do you guys sit with the running back group? I like the top of the class, though. I do. I, I think that it's it's not a great class. Like, it's not. There's not a lot of depth at all. I think after that top three, and I know Alex was even a little lower on Isaiah Spiller, like, but after Brees Hall, Kyron Williams, and Isaiah Spiller, I think there's a pretty – significant drop off because we haven't seen Eric Gray moving over to Oklahoma really take the next step. We haven't seen that. Jerry on Ely hasn't really taken the next step because it's kind of just been the Matt Corral show. We just haven't seen a guy outside of maybe Kenneth Walker from Michigan state, take that step to ascending in the class. But I think there's some context to the early season struggles. Brees Hall looked like himself yesterday. He was back to it at like 190 yards against Baylor. So I think he's, you know, just a little bit of a slow start because Hey, he's Brees Hall. Their passing game, Xavier Hutchinson and Charlie Kohler, like it's just very average. It's middling kind of passing game, and you know who the guy is. Like, in every team is going to load that box to stop Brees Hall. And even though that happens, I think you still are going to get some of these performances where he throws for 100, where he runs for 190 yards just because he's that talented. Kyron Williams, it's been very up and down at Notre Dame. Why? There's been they replaced four starters this offseason on the offensive line, and Notre Dame's offensive line is trash truck juice. Like, let's call it what it is. They are just not a good offensive line right now. There's so so there's some context, and despite that, he still two games ago had a 50 yard rushing touchdown, had a 50 plus yard receiving touchdown. Like he still does that, and then he still does the dirty work as a pass blocker. So uh, needs to clean up the fumbling, but there is some context to his early season struggles. Isaiah Spiller. Same deal, man. Like I, you guys know, and, and I know Alex is a fan too. Like I love Canyon Green. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he's a first-round caliber offensive lineman, whether you're drafting in a, in a guard or a tackle. Like he is a first-round caliber offensive lineman. They replaced four offensive linemen this past offseason: Carson Green and uh, Dan Moore Jr. and mm-hmm. all these guys. Ryan McCollum. Like, they replaced all these dudes, and the context is that Isaiah Spiller is struggling because the offensive line is just not as good as in front of it. And off running backs, I am not quite as far onto the running backs don't mo- don't matter train as some people are, but running backs only matter if they have a good offensive line. That is just point blank period. Like I don't care how good a running back is. Najee Harris in the first round, sorry, buddy, you're not doing anything right now because the Steelers offensive line sucks. 
Sorry to hear it. So I think that the top of the class is still good. I think one or one to two of those guys will still be in the first round conversation. I think three of those guys will go in the first 45, 50 selections. I think that that class is good. But the rest of the class, a lot of question marks. We haven't seen anybody step up to being that next guy. Maybe it's Kenneth Walker. Have not watched him enough to know if it is. But the the next group of the again the Jerion Elys and uh, the Eric Grays and that type of, of maybe even Kennedy Brooks like those dudes. When is somebody going to ascend? When is somebody going to take it upon themselves to being that next guy? We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think you you highlighted it perfectly. What I was gonna you know kind of touch on a little bit more was what you kind of ended there with. And it's just, you don't have these guys taking that next step. Brees Hall had the impressive performance this past week against Baylor in the loss. Uh, but before that, just, you know, slow start. Like you said, you know, Isaiah Spiller hasn't taken over, taken over the college football landscape. Like a lot of people uh, assumed he would. Kyron Williams battling some offensive line issues. Hasn't really solidified himself as that every down, you know, guy that you want to see that three down back. Two guys I was high on that you touched on, Eric Gray, just he just hasn't been able to get loose yet. You see it. You see glimpses of the athleticism and the ability to to string together a couple of, you know, forced missed tackles, but you haven't seen him really get loose, and that whole Oklahoma offense is really struggling. But Jerry on Ely, just Matt Groucho, you said it perfectly. Uh, Kevin Harris hasn't taken the next step for South Carolina. It looks like with that offense being Kevin Harris, and that's it, with the quarterback issues they've had with injuries and such. You know, he can't do anything. So I, I really think there's been two, two and a half guys that have really, tra- you know, ascended uh, in this year's class front. You know, that's Kenneth Walker, someone I was a big fan of coming in. I, I you know, I don't want to gloat on it too much, but I was big, big, big guy on Kenneth Walker. And he's, he's really uh, been a lot of fun to watch take from Michigan wins, State. Alex. Hey, take you got to take your wins. It's, take if a I page out of Ryan's book. You got to, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I need to start now. tweeting more. <laughs> uh, and then, and then I, you, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Zach Charbonnet, who has had a great yeah. start of the season from UCLA, the transfer from Michigan. So I feel like those two guys have really been the biggest risers who have taken that next step. Uh, I want to, you know, mentioned Tyler Beatty. I talked about him a little bit pre-show from Missouri. I, agree, I think I, like I think yeah. he could be a great three-down back. He's shown the ability out of the backfield as a pass catcher, and then he runs. Uh, you know, he's an impressive runner too of the football. So Missouri's been a team that I seem to have watched more than a lot of other teams, which is random. I, I feel like I've been you know keeping my eyes peeled on Missouri uh, games the last couple of weeks. So. There's been a lot of fun to watch, but yeah, we just haven't seen that next tier, that second tier, even that first tier really take that next step. The Eric Gray's, the Jerry on Ely's, the, the Kyron Williams, that, that group right there just hasn't, you know, ascended to taking over the college football world by storm and, and, and solidify them the, themselves as the best playmakers in college football. I like the Charbonnet mention uh, real quick from UCLA. You know, he's not a Michigan guy anymore, so we're allowed to speak highly of him, which is good. And he's, <laughs> he's a really physical, tough runner. I don't think that he is a guy that necessarily is going to be like every down back just because I don't, I haven't seen anything of him in the passing game, but like physical as anything. Um, where's the 24? A little bit like uh, beast mode used to uh, obviously Marshawn Lynch and, Runs a little bit like him too, and uh, I, I really like the Beatty thing. Also, I think that we were talking on the pot. Was it last week on the podcast where I mentioned Beatty or two weeks week ago? Or two, I yeah, think, I think it was yeah, two. I, it was I, I, I just think like that guy in the in the game today in the modern NFL is like that's the space dude, man. Like he is just going to put people on skates, and both as a runner and as a pass receiver, I think he is a he's a weapon on every down 
I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a guy that's going to carry the ball 200 plus times in a year, but like 150 and then he has another 70 catches like that could be Tyler Beatty for sure. He's I think he's that talented. I still can't believe that Missouri for, you know, three years before that was like, uh, Larry Roundtree, you're the guy, man. Every down, you're the runner back, running back. And Tyler Beatty was just kind of an afterthought and a gadget player. And I'm glad now that Tyler Beatty finally gets his opportunity. Not not making the comp, but the story, the upcoming, uh, you know, the upbringing of Tyler Beatty and how he was sitting behind and kind of found his role. And then he, he you know, kind of was supposed to be that guy that maybe catches the ball 50, 75 times in the NFL, carries it 150, that has kind of been that guy in the NFL. Alvin Kamara had a similar Ooh. kind of there was a there was a similar mindset behind Alvin Kamara coming out. He was supposed to be this scat back, you know, one B, you know, maybe one A at the next level. And he is taken that role on and been what a top three running back in the NFL for the last couple of years. What's the don't force comps ruling on that one, Ryan? <laughs> it might be a little too hot for me personally, but I will say I, I know Tyler Beatty and, and, you know, sometimes this stuff, this high school um, testing stuff can be a little overblown or whatever, but I think he ran like low four fours coming out. So dude's got some juice, man. So I, I like the love. Camara might be a little I'm not saying he's gonna I'm saying I'm saying that Camara had that same kind of he sat behind guys all through college and until the very at, end at and you saw him yeah at Alabama then went to Tennessee, you know. Yeah, yeah. It took him some years to really get some playing time though he was a you know fantastic athlete. Same thing happened with Beatty with uh with uh you know at Missouri. Now he's starting to get his chance. He's going to go into the NFL next year. Supposed to be this, you know, second fiddle guy. That's what he's going to project as. That's what everyone's going to project him as. He's probably going to be that for the first year or two, just as Alvin Kamara was with Latavius Murray or Mark Ingram. And then Latavius Murray held, it was kind of the second fiddle to him. I could see it. I'm just saying. He reminds me more of Gio Bernard, which there's nothing wrong with that. Gio yeah, Bernard's, Gio Bernard's a really yeah. good player. He just had a touchdown. <laughs> Just had a touchdown, and he's been that guy that could catch the football really well. And there's even been a couple years where he ran for like over 700 yards and like 150 carries. So I think Joe Bernard's a good football player. I think Tyler Beatty's a good football player. Speaking of good football players, let's talk about uh, our guys that caught our eye. I think Ryan got the the reference that I just made, but uh, Alex did not. Alex doesn't listen to the FCS football podcast uh, because he doesn't care about me. Um, (laughs) Guys that caught our eye. Alex, I want to go to you first because I think Ryan's is going to open up a a can of worms here. Um, You picked Jamison Williams, the wide receiver who was stuck behind Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson says, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself. I'm good enough to go play somewhere else. I don't want to be the third receiver somewhere. I want to be uh, playing alongside John Mechie at Alabama. His stat line this past week, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Only one reception for 81 yards and a touchdown, which I don't know if anyone else has put up a stat line like that. It was just one 80-yard touchdown. But on top of that, this man had three kick returns for 177 yards and two touchdowns. Again, now, this is against Southern Miss. They very much a feel-good game for the Crimson Tide, who didn't perform well in their other feel-good game against Mercer. Nick Saban was pissed at them, but got the kinks out to have a very good game here. And Jamison Williams happens to be the guy that you uh, were paying attention to and keyed on. Yeah, first of all, when does this ever happen? He's at Ohio State, and he's like, you know what? I want more playing time. Let me go to Alabama. Like, that <laughs> <happen very often. laughs> but, uh, but that was the case with Jamison Williams. Obviously, he saw 
saw an opportunity with, you know, all the NFL talent at wide receiver position from Alabama going to the next level. Ohio State still has one more year of these guys. Jameson Williams would have put his name on the map, and he's done so at Alabama. Came right in, and the fact that Nick Saban and this coaching staff was willing to put him on the field so early week one, having the the role he did um, after just transferring in, shows a lot about his ability to, uh, you know, get acclimated and, and you know, get put – you know, thrust into that system. So week one gets Miami four receptions, 126 yards. Uh, of course, the 94 yarder was the the headliner there. The 94 yard touchdown he had um, with Bryce Young, kind of that coming out party against Miami. And he's just continued to be a part of uh, you know a focal point of that offense. We didn't, you know, we talked a lot about the wide receivers in this year's class. We didn't mention John Mechie. Uh, yeah. He he's kind of looked like he's you know he's been fine. He's been the the six reception for. 46 yard kind of guy, but Jamison Williams has been the big play guy in that offense. And he's, he's really shown out not only, you know, as a wide receiver, but like you mentioned, Joe, his ability uh, as a return man, that speed is just ferocious. I think he's what six, two buck 90. He's a little thin guy, tall, lanky, uh, thin guy that has all the speed in the world. I think this is a sub four, four player. Uh, once you get to the combine, this guy is a long strider that can really, really move when he's in open space. So I think this guy is, he bet on himself, like you said, made that transition with with all the talent at wide receiver for Ohio State. And he's really, really taken advantage of this opportunity he has on another big stage at Alabama. So uh, big ups to Jamison Williams. I had no idea who Jamison Williams was in the in the summer. And someone tweeted out, I was like, oh, I think Jamison Williams is really going to kill it transferring over from Ohio State. And I'm just like, I, I, I just didn't know who Jamison Williams was. And then it was the first week, like Alex said, against Miami, like the 94-yard, or I'm like, that's different. Like that's not ordinary. That is like Alex. I would be shocked if he's not a four three kid. I would be absolutely like I, outside of my mind if he wasn't. Because even against Southern Miss, which obviously there's a talent discrepancy, like the kid moves just at a different speed than basically everybody else on the field. And now I'm left wondering. He's only going to have one year of, of production. He's not going to even have the production as in like high reception totals. He's literally just going to have this insane yards per catch and also insane reduction as a returner. How high can this kid go if he is a 4-3 athlete who can take the top off the way he can? I would have to think it's pretty high. Could he go higher than John Mechie? I don't know if that's yes. I, do, I don't know. I don't, have a, I don't have a dog in that fight currently, but that speed is uncommon. That is not typical stuff. And even at Alabama, that is not a typical thing to watch. And as we know, those guys that have that 4-3 speed, if you put up the stats to back it up, come draft time after the whole evaluation process, they tend to benefit from that stuff and they'll tend they'll be pushed up a lot in these cycles because of that stuff. So maybe Jamison William is, Williams is going to be one of those uh one of those risers throughout this process because of what he's shown us and and that athleticism that you're talking about. So Ryan, your your pick for a guy who caught our eye is is just fantastic. I, and I'm confirming that you're sticking with the same player that we discussed pre-show because you said you were going to change it. It's still in the dock, isn't it? So, so you're sticking with okay, just just making sure. So, this is somebody who, in conversations I've had with Ryan uh, separately, uh, had told me he's not a big fan of his. He's also publicly on Twitter said he's not a big fan of his. Uh, Alex Gilstrap, while we're recording this, also did just put out an interesting tweet regarding uh, comments on this player. But Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pitt, who for some reason has uh, has been hyped up when he was bad, which I didn't understand. 
but he's starting to look pretty clean after all the time he has spent uh, at at Pitt. And then also we we both are are familiar with his quarterback coach, who's been mm-hmm. able to work with him a lot and help him improve. So why did you pick Kenny Pick it as your guy uh, that caught your eye? Oh my God! Do I have to answer it? You just made that terrible. Yes. Pun? Do I have to do this right now? Yes. That was awful. <laughs> it um, was coming. <laughs> well, first, first of all, shout out to Tony Rassiopi. Of course, his private quarterback coach. He does a phenomenal job over at Test Football Academy, as well as just you know his his individual stuff that player quarterbacks that he's been working with. Uh, I think it's. I think first, there's multiple layers to it. For a second, if I can divulge on the quarterback class for a second. Carson Strong is taking a big step forward out of Actually, Nevada. That's not allowed. You're the one who said that we're we're, we're not allowed to talk all quarterbacks. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to talk quarterbacks <laughs> for like two minutes here. Uh, Carson Strong is taking a big step forward. Matt Corral from Ole Miss is taking a big step forward, it seems. Malik Willis is taking a step forward, it also seems. The rest of the class, Rattler is not taking a step. Hal is not taking a step. There's Phil uh, Dracovka is now hurt. So the state of this quarterback class, not great right now. There's a lot of question marks, and especially in the depth right now, is like you're waiting for a guy to kind of emerge. And I am not going, and I'm on record here. Kenny Pickett is not going to be in the first round conversation or any crazy thing like that. But what I will say is, I was under the assumption after everything I've watched that I didn't think Kenny Pickett was very good before the season, to be very frank about it. And he's a much better football player this year than he has been. And he's making some plays both in structure and outside of structure that are eye-popping, to say the least, like rolling right, throwing back against his body and having zip on the football and being a good athlete. I'm told he's going to run high 4-5, low 4-6. I'm told wow. that he is that – or um, yeah, 4-5 high, 4-6 low. I'm told that he's, he's not small run. either. He's he's not small. He yeah. and he was a lot smaller when he first got there, but he's continued to grow. He's now 6-3 and an eighth, I think, was what he weighed in at and 219 wow. pounds. So like he's not a small dude either. His arm strength is pretty good. He's a good athlete, apparently. And it's all coming together for him. And I think there is some context over the last two years, I think it was Pitt has the most drops of their wide receiver units in the in college football by like 30. Like it's not close. It's not like close seconds has like three or four or less. Like by 30, they have the most drops. So I think that it was affecting, you know, just the box score side of everything for Kenny. But so far, I think Pickett has like 17 touchdowns to like two interceptions so far. And he's been clean. He's been crisp. There's still going to be some limitations to him. He's got small hands, like eight and a half uh, hands or something like that, eight and three quarters, somewhere in that ballpark. So there's going to be some things that you're going to have to talk about a little bit. But I think that Kenny Pickett would not shock me, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, would not shock me if Kenny Pickett gets drafted somewhere on day two in the in the third round or so. would not Reasonable. shock me. It's very possible. But I don't think that he's a long-term starter, but I think this kid is the perfect spot starter. I think he's going to play in the NFL for a very long time because I think he has a good floor as a backup quarterback. Kenny Pickett is improved, and he kind of just checks a lot of boxes. So Kenny Pickett's a better football player than I gave him credit for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, really what it comes down to when we get to his final evaluation for me is – do I see this guy being a competent starter at the next level? Because historically with my, the way I grade the quarterback position, you're either someone I can see starting or I don't care about drafting you. I'm, I'm not here to draft backup quarterbacks because if the backup has to come in, 
your season, you're probably, you know, you're not going to succeed anyways. It's Super Bowl or bust. I have that mentality. So, like, if you're not good, if you're not good enough to be a starter, I don't really have any interest. Last year, two guys had anywhere from a fourth to a seventh round grade at the quarterback position. So that kind of showcases how I just really couldn't care less about you from a, a draft capital standpoint if you're not going to be uh, someone that I would trust to be a starting quarterback at the next level. So uh, he's looked good so far, as you mentioned. One team that he's played so far has r- really any competency, and that's that's Tennessee, UMass, Western Michigan, New Hampshire, uh, the other three teams he's played to this point. So really excited. Georgia Tech looked really good against uh, um, you know Sam Howell in North Carolina. You did a really, really good job of keeping him contained uh, as someone that's supposed to be in that first-round quarterback uh, conversation, top-10 quarterback conversation. So excited to see that this next week. And then he also then he follows that up with Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami. So he's going to be tested here over the next four or so weeks. So really excited to see how Kenny Pickett responds when there's when there's a little bit more on the line as far as uh, the defense he's playing against. So uh, right now I'm going to keep my opinions on Kenny Pickett's projection to the next level to the side until I see some of that first. I have a take. I have a take. Charlie, if you're listening, cut this. Put this on Twitter. I would rather have Kenny Pickett than Desmond Ritter. Wow. Mm. That's the tweet. That's, That's it. That's the tweet. I'll tell uh, I, have, I wrote Kenny down Pickett. the timestamp. I'm going to tell Charlie to take it. Go ahead. I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than Desmond Ritter because I think that both of them are backup types. I don't think that Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback at the next level. And I think that Kenny Pickett has a significantly higher floor than Desmond Ritter. So give me Kenny Pickett. I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than Desmond Ritter. Okay, so I have a a, a legitimate question. I think I already know the yep. answer to this. Yep. So uh, enough time has passed where uh, I, I don't think it matters if I divulge some of this information. So I, I had a source that was very close to to Pickett during at the end of last season that when he was making his decision if he was going to declare for last year's class, uh, draft or not. He was also debating transferring. And I had heard from this person who's very close to Pickett that he was considering, or Notre Dame had expressed interest as a a transfer location. And I communicated that with Ryan. It was information I was not allowed to put out there because I promised not to to put it out there because I work in the media. But now this time has passed. Jack Cohn ends up being the transfer quarterback as we knew they were looking for a quarterback. I know where this is going to go. What are you asking me? What are you asking me? God. You at the time, when I mentioned Kenny Pickett, you were very upset. You're like, if that happens and he is Notre Dame starting quarterback, I'll be very upset. You were less upset about Jack Cohn, but you were still pretty upset. Where do you, where do you, where do you stand on that now? Do you, who would you rather take in that situation? Is it Pickett? I, I mean, yeah, obviously. I'm, I'm saying that I, I think Kenny Pickett might go late day two, and I, I would take him over Desmond Ritter. So, yes, absolutely. Jack Cohn is not an NFL quarterback. Jack Cohn has limitations. Oof. Kenny Pickett. I mean, Notre Dame's offensive line is, is a dumpster fire right now. It's it's an issue. Right now, Kenny Pickett, I think, would do a lot better in that situation because he can make something out of nothing at times, and Jack Cohn can't. So, yes, Kenny Pickett would have been a much better option for Notre Dame this season than Jack Cohn. I don't know why I had to say this. I think it was pretty obvious. But there you go, Jack. <laughs> oh, well, I wanted to bring it up, but you, you kind of let into it beforehand enough. But I, I just think that's just – it's crazy to think that that was a possibility and he chose to stay at Pitt. Uh, and Jack Cohn ended up being the guy, and I almost wonder how much better Notre Dame would be offensively 
If they all I know is all I know is Jack Cohn is going to beat Desmond Ritter this week, though. Alex, shout Drew out Pine to the Irish. Go Irish! Well, yeah, Drew, Drew Pine might have to. We'll see what happens. I kind of hope Drew Pine plays. I'm well, tired uh, of watching Jack well, Cohn. <laughs> here, here's an inside source for you. Okay, here's an okay. inside source. I'm not going to name my source, but Jack Cohn will be the starting quarterback if he's healthy. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. I'm really, I'm really enjoying watching him. Every time someone just breathes on him, he, he, not, he just goes I'm, down. I'm not making the decision. I'm just telling you what the reality is. I can't remember last time Notre Dame had such an immobile quarterback, but here we are in the year of 2021. Um, All right. I think that's a good note to wrap us up on. Folks, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel, wherever you're listening. If it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find a podcast. If you are listening on Apple, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us with feedback on the show. And as we always said, if you have a question you want us to ask on the show, Drop it in the in that review as well. Or you can comment on the YouTube video. Uh, also follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Gillstrap, at Rise and Draft, and head to riseanddraft.com for comprehensive NFL draft coverage. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Talk to you later. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.